one of the great challenges in the church of Galatia in the New Testament was to deal with the false teachers who were teaching that Christians needed to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses if they were to be right with God. Now, the Apostle Paul responded very aggressively against these teachers, and the book of Galatians is, in fact, a rebuke against them and, and a challenge to the church to, to turn from this teaching. And here in this book of Galatians, Paul teaches his salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ alone, and nothing needed to be added to his work on the cross. And accepting what he had done on that cross was sufficient to save a soul and give it a right standing with the Father. And so in Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 to 3 and verse 3, Paul speaks particularly to the Galatians about the difference between living the way of the law and living in the way of the Spirit. And of course, those to whom he writes here in Galatia were under this influence of the false teachers who were teaching that Christians needed to live like Jews in order to be Christians. And so Paul addresses this matter of salvation by grace through faith, and not only salvation by grace through faith, but living the Christian life by grace through faith. So let's take a moment here and examine what Paul has to say to the Galatians about this important doctrinal matter. Now, Paul begins in Galatians chapter 2, verse 19, with a somewhat confusing statement. Here's what he says. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. Now, let's consider this for a moment. Notice, first of all, the phrase, through the law. Paul is speaking as one who at one time was an observer of the law of Moses. In fact, Paul tells us later on that he was a Pharisee, one of the most strict observers of the law of Moses. Now, as Paul lived out that law, what did that law teach Paul? What did he learn through that law? And what, was the law, what did the law do for Paul? Well, Paul tells us here in this verse, for through the law, I died to the law. And if there was one thing that Paul learned from the law, it was that no matter how hard he tried, he could not possibly keep it perfectly. He fell short of the standard of God and was guilty before God. He, he found himself, in fact, trapped in a system that would ultimately lead, ultimately lead him to separation from God. And, and no matter how many animals were sacrificed, more continued to be offered. There was no end to the sacrificing of animals. And, and the sacrificing of those animals never seemed to change the human heart. So an individual would come having sinned and needing to, to offer a sacrifice for his sin, and he would go away knowing that his heart had never changed. And all of this brought Paul to a point of realizing that he could never be completely right with God by means of the practice of the law. Now let me illustrate this. Imagine that I, I chose to jump in the ocean here in Canada where I live and swim across the ocean to England. I may get a few kilometers out, but I will never reach the other side. 
Now imagine that I have a friend who decides to do this with me, and together we commit ourselves to to reaching the other side of the the ocean. And I may get a certain number of kilometers. My friend may get a little further than me, but both of us sink to the bottom. And ultimately, in this situation, does it really matter that my friend swam more than me? Neither one of us reached the other shore. And this is how it is with the law. You you may obey more than me, but both of us will perish because none of us is perfect. And so the law revealed Paul's need and his inability to resolve this need. And then one day, on his way to Damascus, he met the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus offers pardon for all of his sins. The Lord Jesus was the lifeboat that came alongside Paul as he was swimming as with all his might to the other side. And, and, and if Paul could, would simply enter that lifeboat, that lifeboat, the Lord Jesus would take him to the other side, pardoned of all his sin. Now, while Paul could not make it on his own, Jesus, the lifeboat, had demonstrated fully that he was able to cross that gap. He had done so. Paul, uh, Paul had, had heard of the stories of how Jesus had died on the cross, rose from the dead. He had seen the changing in the lives of many believers. Uh, but Paul, if Paul was going to accept what Jesus was offering, if he was going to get in the lifeboat, there was one thing he had to do, and that was to abandon his effort to to do it on his own. He had to stop swimming. And it was in the Lord Jesus that he saw the solution to his problem. And that day when he met the Lord Jesus, he abandoned the law. He abandoned his effort to swim across to the other side and chose instead to get in the boat and trust the work of the Lord Jesus to do what he could not possibly do. In fact, Paul put it this way, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I stopped trusting my flesh. I stopped trusting that I could get across myself, and I chose instead to live to God and get in that lifeboat and let the Lord Jesus take me. The reality of the matter is, is that in order for Paul to live for God, he needed to die to the law. He needed to stop trying to swim across the ocean by himself and get into the lifeboat. He could not do both. He had to choose one or the other. And so the first thing Paul needed to do was to recognize that by his own effort, he could not swim across to the other side. He could not live the Christian life. He could not save himself. And so he needed the Lord Jesus. Now notice what Paul says next in verse 20 of Galatians chapter 2. I have been crucified with Christ. The law condemned him to die. And he was going to sink in the middle of that ocean. But the Lord came along and and took his burden of sin 
And he took that burden of sin to the cross with him. And there on that cross, the Lord Jesus died with the burden of Paul's sin. And it was for Paul as if Paul died himself that day when Jesus took his penalty on himself. And Paul took this matter of Jesus dying for him so seriously that he committed himself to live as one who had died to the flesh and to sin in his life and and in his ways. And so Paul considered himself to be dead in the flesh and in his sinful ways because Jesus took that with him to the cross. Now, the fact of the matter is this, how can we say that we have died to the flesh and to the sinful nature if in fact we still feel its attraction, we still hear its voice? And in order to answer that, I want us to consider it in the context of of a divorce. When a man divorces his wife and, and marries another, he has no more right to go back to his old partner. She may be living next door, but his commitment is now to his new partner. And that's how Paul saw his relationship with with the Lord Jesus now. That's how he saw his relationship with his old nature. He had divorced it, and it was dead to him. And that old nature may be crying out to him, but Paul chose not to listen. Paul chose to, to live now with this new partner, to live as one who had accepted and was living to the Lord Jesus and his commitment was to Jesus alone. And to this old flesh, he considered it dead to him and no longer had any right to it and no more desire to follow into it. And so Paul continues on in verse 20 after saying that he had been crucified with with Christ to say that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Paul divorced the flesh and its ways and married Christ, took a relationship, entered into a covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus. Yes, the flesh was begging to be taken back, but that was out of the question for Paul. He chose to no longer listen to that flesh and her, and her ways, but chose to live instead by faith in the Son of God who loved and died for him. And the life I now live, he says in verse 20, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now notice that this commitment to Jesus was a commitment of faith. He he could not see Christ in him, but that did not make him any less real. He could not hear his audible voice, but he knew his leading and conviction in his spirit. And Paul's experience of Christ was as real as his relationship with the flesh used to be. And what's important for us to notice here is that Paul considered the flesh to be dead. He would not be directed by this flesh and his fleshly wisdom and desires. He he would see Christ and his heart instead. He would not allow the flesh to well up within him. He would be led by Christ and his purpose instead, his commitment was now to live in Jesus Christ, to be directed by Jesus Christ, to be enveloped by Jesus Christ, and to die 
to the flesh and its evil and sinful ways. Paul goes on to tell the Galatians that he made it now his commitment not to nullify the grace of God. Verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. The preaching, preaching that, that we can save, be saved by our own efforts renders what Christ did in vain. If, if we could be saved by our own works, then, then Jesus Christ would not have needed to die. And, and Paul takes this a step further in, in Galatians 2 and verse 1 when he says, when he asks, when he says this to the Galatians, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. The question that Paul asks here is, is important. And, and the church of Galatia was being influenced by false teachers who, who taught that Christians needed to be circumcised and follow the Jewish traditions and laws. And Paul confronts this teaching with one simple point. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, destroys any teaching that says we need to work our way to heaven. Paul is telling the Galatians to look these false teachers in the eye and remind them that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross. And he died because we could not get to heaven by our works. He died because it was the only way that we could be forgiven. And if salvation could be obtained by circumcision, then why would Jesus have come to this earth? If we could be be good enough to merit our salvation on this earth, then the death of Jesus Christ is vain. And it's in this context that Paul moves on in verse 2 of chapter 2 of Galatians to ask yet another vital question of these Galatians. And this is the question he asks, let me ask you only this, Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now, what does Paul mean here when he talks about receiving the Spirit? There's all kinds of answers to that. But let me simply answer this by by quoting what he says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. And to the Romans, he says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And so the apostle talks to the Romans and he tells them that they are no longer in the flesh, but in the spirit. And in that very same verse, he tells them that if they do not have the spirit, they do not belong to Christ. In other words, having the spirit was proof that they belong to Jesus Christ. The spirit of Christ was the life of God in them. And the question that Paul is asking here is simply this. How did you receive new life? The life that comes from the Spirit. How did you receive it? There were two possibilities. And one was by works of the law or two by hearing with faith. And so Paul is asking them, how did you come to experience the life of Jesus in you? How did you come to be saved? Did the Holy Spirit come to live in you because you were good enough 
and you had reached a certain level of maturity on your own and, and is now a reward for your good works? If that's the case, then why and what is his purpose? If we can reach maturity without him, why does he need to indwell us? Why do we need him at all if we can be matured in ourselves? But clearly, the Bible teaches that we receive the life of Christ, not because we merit it, but because we cannot live the life God requires. I need the boat because I cannot swim across the ocean on my own. I need God's Spirit because I cannot change myself. And the only way I can know the life of Christ is to receive it by faith. I need to trust his word and what he says. I need to receive the life of Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit as a gift of faith. He came to live in me when I did not deserve or merit him. He changed my life when I could not do it myself. Now, all of this brings Paul to the application of this teaching to the Christian life. And he addresses this in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3 when he says this, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? If our spiritual life began as an act of God's Spirit transforming us and making us a child of God, if our life was born through a work of the Spirit of Christ in me, can it be perfected by the flesh? Do you think that sinful flesh can perfect the work of the Spirit that has begun in us? And just as we depend completely on the Spirit for salvation, so we need to depend on the Spirit to enable us to walk with Christ. The Spirit of God who brought us into the kingdom of God does not stop working on us the moment we are saved. He continues the work in us, enabling us, maturing us. And just as we depend on the Spirit to save our souls and give us life in Christ, so we must learn to depend on Him for maturity, for empowering and service, and for the Christian life. We are not saved, we, we are, we are not saved by faith and matured in the flesh. Our salvation and maturity is completely and entirely the work of God's Spirit. All too often, we feel the need to live the Christian life the best way we can. The problem is that the best way we can is insufficient. It was insufficient for our salvation, and it's also insufficient for our Christian walk. And just as the unbeliever cries out and says, God, I cannot change myself. I need you to save me. So we as believers need to come to that point in our Christian life where we recognize that we cannot change ourselves. And we cry out to God, God, would you change what I cannot change in me? Would you do through me what I cannot do in my flesh? Paul chose to divorce the flesh. He would not listen to it or trust his wisdom or trust his power. He understood that the ways of God were vastly different from the ways of the flesh, and he chose to seek God in his purpose. He chose to trust God's enabling and his ways 
what began by submission to the Spirit of God in Paul would be continued that way until the end. And Paul saw the incredible, powerful work that God did in his salvation as he was heading on that road to Damascus to persecute believers, hating the Lord Jesus. And in an instant, the Lord Jesus stopped him in his tracks, his tracks and transformed powerfully transformed his life. And Paul saw that transforming work of the Spirit of God in his life on that day of his conversion, and he chose to trust that Spirit. Why would he trust the flesh to do what the Spirit could do so much better? And so he chose to trust the Spirit who had transformed his life more than his fleshly wisdom, and the result was a powerful work of God in his life that impacted the world for the glory of Jesus Christ. And we too as believers need to come to understand that we must divorce the flesh, we must die to its flesh, and we must choose instead to be enabled and empowered and led and directed by the Spirit of Christ who alone can enable us to live the life God requires to enter that life, but also to live it for the glory of his name. Mm -hmm.